0: Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. Are y'all ready? Christmas Sermon 2023. Going to be a little bit different. You know, uh, imagine if you were a preacher today, the pastor, and you're going to preach on Christmas, what would you preach on? Baby Jesus in a manger, right? right, I'm not going to talk about Jesus very much today. I am, but not directly. What? This is not Christmas? Okay, feel free to leave now, right? It's a joke. But the point, I'm going to talk about something that made it possible. In other words, what I'm going to talk about is God. Let me say it this way. We're all going to get up early on Sunday morning, Monday morning, and you're going to sit around the living room, and you're going to give and receive gifts. Why do we exchange gifts? Because that's what you're supposed to do. Because Santa's coming. No, like why do we why do we exchange gifts? Hannah alluded to one of the reasons because when Jesus was born. They came bearing gifts, gave him frankincense, frankenstein, and myrrh, and, and incense, my, frankincense. That was, a, that was a, a joke. Frankincense, myrrh, incense, they gave him all this kind of stuff. Like they gave gifts. The offering has already been received, but Proverbs says, when you come before the presence of the king, you must come bearing a gift. Not talking about the offering that we just received, although I could be talking about it if your heart's right, right? Anyway, the point is, is like it's crazy to celebrate Jesus without the idea of gift giving. It's what you do in response to the king. You give gifts. Amen. The other reason is because Jesus himself is the gift. The gift that God gave I just said something that sounds very familiar God gave the gift of Jesus which is one of the most insane things that if we're going to break it down that has ever happened in human history that the God of the universe would send his son to become human. As a gift for mankind. We talk about it, but we don't think about it. We don't really meditate on that ludicrous idea that the God of all creation would give fallen humanity the gift of his son. So I'm going to talk about two things. I'm going to talk about number one, the divine sacrifice. Not meaning necessarily the cross, although it culminates in the cross, but the divine sacrifice that divinity would take on flesh, which absolutely was a sacrifice. And the second thing I want to talk about in defense of God's character. Let me just give you a brief definition of of those two things. Number one, divine sacrifice underscores the sacrificial nature of God's love. God willingly gave his son. God willingly gave his son. Uh, All of you non-parents out there, I I think you can comprehend what I'm talking about, but I don't know if you can fully Understand what I'm saying. As a father. Would I give. My only son. With full knowledge. That it would end. Not end. That it would require a process. By which the people I give him to. Will criminally crucify, and rip his flesh apart. If you, being good fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your... So, when I say it's ludicrous, it's insanity. It's absolutely the opposite of what human would do. So, the sacrificial... The divine sacrifice underscores the idea that God willingly, it was his idea, give his son to enter into the human experience. What? That's insane. We're going to play the game. This is a game I like to play. When I say this out loud, it's going to make me seem very narcissistic. I don't think I'm as narcissistic as I used to be. The game is pretend that you were God. See, that's bad, isn't it? Raise your hand if you ever pretend like you were God. Uh oh. <laughs> no, hey, if I were God, I would now fill in the blank. I would end world hunger. Right? What would you do if you were God? I would end world hunger. Nobody would be nobody would be poor. You could only imagine. That was a Beatles joke. Anyway, so, uh, nobody got my joke. Anyway, but if I was God, I would, nobody would be poor. Everybody would be happy. There wouldn't, uh, I would decide who wins wars. I might even prevent some wars. I would do lots of things that in my human brain make sense to me. Uh, Bad guys Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story, and I'm probably gonna get in trouble for a bit. It's okay. There was a guy last week, and when I saw this story, I thought to myself, "Um, that's what I would do if I was God." Anyway, this is this is a touchy subject. There was a guy who stood, I believe, before the UN Parliament. Somebody help me with the details before the UN Parliament, who was of a certain descent who hated Israel. And he stood behind this, this, uh, this podium and he quoted that Israel essentially would be wiped out and that Allah was God in a very, uh, you know, assured way. Before he could put the microphone down, he fell to the ground with a massive heart attack and died three days later. See, that kind of stuff makes sense to me if I was God. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I'd be like, yeah, that's what I would do if I was God. You stole from a little old lady. You know, like off off the planet, off the universe you go, right? Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, if I was God, my sense of justice, I would just do whatever I felt like needed to happen. Y'all don't look at me so judgmental this morning. Y'all know it down here, right? Okay. If I created humanity that essentially spit in my face and cursed me, I would think to myself, I'm God. I can start over. Why bother? <laughs> Why bother with trying to fix this, this, these clay people? Why not just, you know, start over? Y'all out there this morning? And so if I was God, what would I do? I can tell you what I wouldn't do. Chesterhead Passmore the fourth is here. My only son. Carries my name, carries my lineage. I wouldn't say, I'm gonna take you in as God of the universe. Even more specifically as the one who used your words to speak the worlds into existence. And I wouldn't put you inside of a teenage girl and go (laughs) and put you in a state where the one who has the power to speak worlds into existence now can't even formulate a word. A baby completely and 100% dependent for survival upon a teenage girl. I have two teenage daughters. Dear God, what was he thinking? <laughs> Okay, one of them, is, in my mind, they're still teenage girls. Okay, so, so be quiet, mom. Anyway, but my point is: is like, what were you thinking? Like, you took the God of the you you took your greatest redemption plan and gave it to a teenage girl. This is insane. It would have been more insane if, you know, if he would have gave it to a boy. I'm just saying all you girls out there, girl girl power, whatever. I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's insane that you gave a 13-year-old girl to hold in your hands, to nourish from your own breast the God of the universe, and he depends on you for survival. This is my plan, says God. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that. I'm not God. Everybody says, say Amen. He did this. Listen, the divine sacrifice underscores the sacrificial nature of God's love. The sacrificial nature of God's love. The idea that God would be sacrificial himself is insane to me. I, I have no problem with us making sacrifices to him. It does not compute that God would do something sacrificial on our behalf. So the sacrificial love of God. That he would willingly, his idea, ask the son to participate and the son say yes, even in his final moments in a garden with sweats of blood running off of his face, continue to say yes to God's plan. Y'all out there? And demonstrating... Immense love. Does God love you? So everybody knows the correct answer. If I say, does God love you? And you say, well, of course he loves me. How many times do we wrestle with the question throughout our lifetime about God's love? You know, there's really only one answer to the question about God's love, and it isn't how we feel here, and it isn't how we think here. It is 100% evidence-based, and the evidence is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so the evidence of God's love is not how you feel, not what you think, not how your life seems to be going at the moment. The evidence of God's love is that God of the universe gave his son on our behalf. So do you feel love this morning? On all the holidays, Valentine's Day cannot hold a candle to the love we should feel at Christmas. You see what I'm saying? No holiday made of man can hold a candle to the love we should experience and feel at Christmas. And I'm, I hope you go, and I hope you ex- spend time with your family, and you laugh, and there's joy, and, and and there's just, and you feel so loved by your kids, and and your parents, and your well, I hope you just have a, a holiday full of love. But beyond all that, I think that when you lay your head on your pillow at night, and it's Christmas season, and you close your eyes, I hope the love of God. God fills your heart as you realize that the God of the universe made a sacrificial uh, 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 movement on behalf of heaven that he would give his son to die on your behalf for the sake of love. And I'm going to get to more of that in a second. So it says here, not only demonstrating immense love, and the extent to which God was willing. What extent was God willing to demonstrate his love towards us? That even yet while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. That's how much he loves you. He took his divine nature, made it into the most helpless being on the planet, a baby. Had that baby grow up Flight into Egypt for the sake of his life. Secret hiding. 30 30 years old. grows up to be a man. Persecuted. Chased. Called and lied about. Called a blasphemer. And ultimately died upon the cross as a demonstration of the extent to which heaven would go through to show his love for that humanity which I would have started over on. That's love. To show the extent to which God was willing to reconcile humanity to himself. And the second thing I want to say. I'm not done with that yet. We're going to read some scriptures. In defense of God's character. The incarnation. That's a fancy word for God becoming man. uh, God taking on human flesh. The incarnation is a revelation of God's character. God is... Oh, y'all scare me, people. God is. Okay, that's good. God is also and all the time He is. Good. He's all the time good. There's nothing He ever does that's not good. Somebody say, Amen. He's good all the time. In defense of God's character, I want to say that the the revelation of God's character in nature is found in the incarnation. It shows God's willingness, again, to bridge the gap between himself and humanity, displaying mercy, compassion, and a desire for relationship. I'm telling you again, go back to the question. If I were God, would I send my son, the only one that I have, the bearer of my name, the image of the Father. Ched looks just like you. I get that all the time. He looks the, the bearer of the image of the Father. Would I send that into humanity in the most vulnerable state, fleeing for his life a lot of his lifetime, and then ultimately giving his life in death? My idea to send him to die. My idea send him to die for the ones with their fists in my face. For the ones who curse me to my face. Oh, by the way, that's you, by the way. That right? I didn't think I'd get much amen, but that's us, right? That was all of us at some point, enemies of God. He didn't look at you when you were your best. He looked at you when you when you were at your worst, according to Romans chapter 5, 8, and said, I will send my son, my image, down there for that person in their craziest, most rebellious state. That's how willing I am to be with them. Merry Christmas. I use the words in defense of God's character because God is blamed for so much. Bad stuff has happened to everybody. Some worse, some than others. We're not, it's not a contest of who's had the roughest life. Amen? Amen? It seems like of all the options that are subjective to blame, I can blame Adam and Eve. They're the ones who rebelled against God. Right? Thank you, Adam. This is not a this is not a Look at me. This is not a a bad argument. Paul talks about the first Adam and then the second Adam who would come undo everything. The first Adam messed up. I could blame I don't know, me. My heart is deceitful and my heart is wicked and I'm prone to wander and prone to do, uh, get myself in situations that the, 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 the results aren't really favorable to my life. And how many people who have rebelled against God have turned around to cuss out God and say, I, you said you were good and you were going to get me out of this. We could blame, I don't know, a fallen world that we live in, right? Going back to Adam and Eve, but we live in a fallen world. Like, sin is in this world. Somebody say amen. Like, the surroundings aren't conducive to living an extreme holy life unless your face is set before God. You're not just going to naturally do good. A matter of fact, you're going to naturally be prone to wander. Amen? Okay, we can blame sin. We can blame this fallen world. You can blame, I don't know, the devil. You know, I don't like it when Christians say the devil made me do it. Because that usually means I did it and I wanted to. But the idea that we do have a mortal enemy of our soul who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. Somebody say amen, right? And he literally has a plan to take us out. And we'll go from Adam and Eve to uh, to our own rebellion, to a fallen world that we live in, and, and Satan. And we'll just skip right over all these other reasons why something is happening in our lives and go straight to, God, this is your fault, Y'all out there? God, you, you messed up. That's insane, right? Amen. And so my point is, it's like, that's very subjective. God, it's easy to blame you, right? It, 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 uh, you know, although I really have no proof that it was your fault, because there's all these other scenarios that, wow, this could have happened to me, right? And we'll just skip to the one that's easy, because we know we can chew him out, and he'll still be there for us. That's very subjective, but the most objective, the most factual base answer is always that God loves us and his character is always good. What is the fact objective? What is the, what is the fact that proves that? He took his only son and sent him to die on your behalf. What more do you need to know? That makes sense? Very factual based. So let me just read some scripture here. Everybody ready for some scripture? And we'll be done. Y'all know this one? Famous scripture. Actually, it actually irritates me that it is so famous because we can we've got it memorized and we say it all the time, but we don't really take the time to digest it into what it means. John 3 16. For God, so how do you know? You'd have to spend hours and hours unpacking the phrase he gave and what that means. He gave himself, he gave his one and only son to become a human. Gross. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm about to do, aren't you? The God of the universe is now subject to body odor, Hunger pains, upset stomach. I'm trying to be as ungross as I physically can be ungross, but think about humans for a second. They are nasty. I thought I'd get a bigger amen there. <laughs> Apparently, y'all aren't. Like, there's a reason you need to shower daily. Amen. The God of the universe. And all his transcendent glory puts on B.O. The God of the universe who's only known the Father is now subject to rejection or subject to whatever feelings that we emotions feel in a negative sense. Does that make sense? The God of the universe who knew nothing of pain is now subjected to pain at the very hands he created. For God so loved the world that he gave. I'm not trying to make light of that situation uh, when I say this, but I'm trying to say, you know, Lord help me say this the right way. How kind of entitled or... Whiny? Must it sound to the God of the universe when we say, I just don't feel like you love me? And he's like, I sent my son. I just, I don't feel very loved about you. Matter of fact, I'm going through a hard time and I think you actually could do this better. I sent my son it's only one only one phrase he ever has to repeat to trump card whatever argument you may have about while he's wrong for your life being such a miserable state i sent my son would you send your son i did what you wouldn't do it was my idea i sent my son what more demonstration do you require I sent my son. Let's look at another verse. Surely it'll get easier from here. Next verse, brother. This is uh, Romans 8, 32. Read these first five words. He who did not spare. I can tell you exactly what I would do if I was God. I would spare my son. Y'all ain't amen and near enough on a Christmas Sunday morning for what I just said. I would spare my own son. He who did not spare his own son. That's all he had to do to demonstrate love. Nothing more required. For the rest of my life, I should be able to live full of understanding of the love of God on one simple fact. He did not spare His own Son. But even God goes above and beyond that. But gave Himself for us all. How will He not also, along with giving Him, Y'all reading this Bible? How will he not also, above and beyond, giving my son, that's what it says. How will he not also, along with him, that him there is Jesus, beautiful baby Jesus in a manger, right? Uh, How will he not graciously give us all things? What? What? That's insane. That is insane. You're telling me there's more than just Jesus? There's more than Christmas? Yeah. Come Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Oh, uh, by the way, I give you, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I don't know how to even put this in, like, some example. Like, uh, I own the United States of America. I'm Elon Musk, right? I give you the United States of America. Oh, by the way, I got some other stuff in the back, too. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I just... uh, Let me put it this way. The first time Abraham, the father of our faith, named Abram, came into contact with the living God, he introduced himself... To Abram is this. I am your shield and I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your great reward. And here Paul's saying, not only do you get the great reward, (laughs) right? Not only do you get Jesus the son, not only do you get the great reward, but there's graciously gifts of everything you need. You want to know why I can walk into 2024 with the sense of this church will absolutely make it? Having all of our needs met. You want to know why I can say that with some sense of confidence? Because the down payment was Jesus himself. (laughs) I mean, come on, right? Merry Christmas, right? Here's my son. By the way, everything you ever need, I've got it for you, brother. How can we not feel loved? There's more. You want to hear more? Let's try um, 1 John 4. Well, I don't, you know, but how does God show his love? This is how God showed his love among us. Oh, I know how. He just blessed our socks off. I am the head, I'm not the tail. Too blessed to be stressed. (laughs) What's the demonstration of God's love? There's been a lot said about what the demonstration of God's love was. and Most of it wants to talk about, you know, how much money you have in the bank and how healthy you are and all kinds of stuff. None of that means anything. Outside of the first thing, the main thing. The number one way God has showed his love towards us And after that, it's like number two, like number one's here number two's here. Right? Number one way God has demonstrated his love towards us. He sent his one and only son into that fallen, defunct world. That we, who are dead in our trespasses, trespasses to sin, might live again to Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. Right? Right? There's a reason Christmas is the absolute most worldwide captivating, other than, you know, certain parts, but worldwide captivating holiday is because it is really founded on the idea of a gift that was given that blows our, it is not logical. I got more. How about this? Oh, wait, I think there's uh, verse 10. Joe, verse 10 up there for me, brother. Um, says this this is love. What is, what is love? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> na, 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 na. Okay, stop. Regain your composure in the Holy Ghost. What is love? I mean, like, look at, do you look, at, look at God the Father right now in the eye and say, what is love? This is love. Not that we loved God. Stop. Huge point here, by the way. This is not in there by an accident. So much of our definition of how much we feel loved by God is really just uh, how uncomfortable we feel about how good we're loving him. I don't necessarily feel like I have these feelings inside. I'm not sure that they feel like I'm loving him very well. So, what that means, if I don't feel really secure in this relationship, I don't think I am secure in this relationship. That's <laughs> that's better preaching than than uh, than you get. But uh, it's not. What is love? It's not that we love God. Matter of fact, I will say to you this, that any man who's ever had a revelation of Jesus Christ really is, is, uh, uh, any man who's ever had a legitimate revelation of Jesus Christ and seen him for what he is, it's very hard not to love God. Right? Right. So the fact that we love God is actually the most natural response we can ever have. Amen? I can tell you what love is, but that he loved us. How do we know? He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he's my friend. Yes, he's my king. Yes, he's my lord. Yes, he is my, uh, uh, my groom and my bridegroom. Yes, I mean, yes, he's so many things. But the first way we know that we're loved by God is we see the lamb that was slain. Sent him as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And I think if you fill in the clues there, Paul would say, not just for your sins, while you were in your sins. Let's take a little break. Do an exercise. Please nobody raise their hand. Please nobody say anything out loud to... Uh, What's going on in your head right now? Every person in the room, I want you to close your eyes for 10 seconds. I want you to think about the worst time in your life, the most rebellious, God-awful, sinning, rank most time in your life. Think about it for 10 seconds. Now, how many of you would appreciate taking that memory in your head and displaying it on the TV right now? Look at me right here. At that point, that's when God saw you and said, I'll send him for that. How about Galatians chapter 4? Verse 4 and 5 says, when the time had fully come, that 2,000 years ago, around 2,000 years ago, a certain fulfillment of time had reached its limit, if you will. And at some point, after a certain period of time, the God of the universe says, now is the time. And he comes... It says right here, at a certain time, at the, the fullness of time, God sent his son, uh, dear Mr. Galatians writer, Paul, your use of the word woman here is, is correct, but I mean, little girl, yeah. right? Uh, when Hannah was 13, I didn't go, come here, woman. I said, little girl, that the God of the universe, at the the fullness of time, the God of the universe, with his idea, his plan, went and overshadowed a 13-year-old girl and said, I'm depositing what's up here in there, and this is going to grow into something that's going to change humanity. I am so glad I'm not an advisor to God. Chester, come here, I gotta wanna run something by you. I'm thinking about uh, taking Jesus over there, the word. Thinking about, you know, the, the guy who just few 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 million years ago just spoke the world into existence. I'm gonna, gonna go put him in down there and uh, marry. Uh, Mary. Mary Mary, Miriam, Mary, Mary, like uh, the one in Nazareth? Yeah, the 13 year old. You think that's a good idea? Like, there's a, there's that girl in the temple that's been praying her entire life. She's older age now. You've done an older age miracle before. Remember Sarah? And wouldn't it be more wise to at least put her in Sarah? Like, Sarah's got experience there. Uh, you sure you want to use the 13-year-old girl? Yeah. It's going to be great. We're going to change the world. Yeah, God, I'm not, about to, uh, not to be, you know, your God. I'm not, right? But, you but, know. Uh, mary doesn't know what she's doing matter of fact thousands of years from now they will actually write songs that will question if she knew when an angel talked to her (laughs) because that's how not smart i think mary is (laughs) mary did you know i mean you know there was an angel he talked to me i remember everything he said but you know to answer your question i'm not really sure i do She's 13. It makes sense now, right? I was anti Mary Did You Know until this moment where I just realized she's a 13 year old girl and it makes absolute sense. I tell my kids all this stuff, all the time stuff, and they forget it, right? Mary Did You Know, back on the schedule, okay? We can play it again. Not only born of a woman, but born under the law. The reason he's born under the law is because he would be fulfill the requirements of the law as the sacrifice himself to roll away the reproach of humankind so not only does he come, not only does the God of the universe the giver of the law himself the creator of man and woman come to live inside what he created and come to live under what he gave the law to fulfill it (laughs) okay that's pretty, pretty nuts, Oh God. Verse 5. Verse 5. There's another verse 5. Verse 5, yes. But to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as children of God, sons. Does he love you? Does he love you? Yes. <laughs> Last one, and we'll close it up, because maybe I think I'm getting my point across. See what great love. The greatest of love. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. What was the love He lavished on us? His Son. Amen. Merry Christmas. Amen. What's the great love? I'm saying this in so much grace. You may feel unloved this morning. You may think that you've done something that God can't love this morning. You may feel full of sin and darkness and and, and grime. You may feel unworthy and dirty. You may think because of the circumstances surrounding your life that God has forgotten about you, that he's not interested in you, that He's not, uh, that he is not uh, 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 going to come through for you. You may have all these mindsets about who God is and his character. And, you know, I grew up since I was a little kid learning about how good he is, but I don't feel like he's being very good to me. And the evidence of your life is not what you're going through right now. The evidence of your life is that we celebrate a holiday called Christmas when the God of the universe gave the most precious and extravagant gift to humanity which was his one and only perfect begotten of the Father's Son and that that Son would come born of a virgin, live a sinless life, die on the cross as an atonement for our sin, be buried in the ground in a rich man's tomb, have the stone rolled in front of him. Three days later, angels would blow a trumpet and the stone would be rolled away, and the Son of God would walk out of the tomb. And then a few days later, He would be ascended upon high. And in the same way that He went up into the clouds, our eyes are fixed to the clouds because He is coming back again, Maranatha, from the clouds. Not only, not only, not it? Not only to show us He loves us, because He doesn't have to show that He loves us. He already did that by coming the first time, but to demonstrate to us that we can trust Him and He's a man of His word that if he said I'm coming back he's coming back yeah. Yeah. and what's proof of it because yeah. he came the first time Come on. Come on. these are facts yeah. these are not a, these are not uh, these are not subjective ideas they're facts yeah. Yeah. so what is a proof in defense of God's character what is proof that he loves you? Merry Christmas. Amen. That's the proof. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My, my wife, she, uh, she collects nativity scenes So I've got her one from Bethlehem. That's kind of cool, isn't it? I got her one from Ecuador, Philippines. I got her one from, you know, Hobby Lobby. (laughs) Next sermon, the commercialism of Christmas. She loved nativity scenes. And you saw that nativity up here earlier, you know, and let's say Missy's married, I'm Joseph, and like, you know, some of y'all just come film whatever parts. We got wise men, and we got donkeys, and, and so I'll let you, anyway, some <laughs> wild beast, anyway, so, all right. and we all peek over the edge of the manger, and what do you see? I see a baby. What do you see? That right there is the love of God. That's the love of God. Sent to me, sent to us. That's what I want you to think of this Christmas. Baby Jesus in the manger? Yes. But when you see him, realize how loved we are. How great a love has the Father lavished on us. Stand up on your feet. Thank you for letting me preach way too long today. It's been a great day in the house of the Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. Here at the old armory. Let's just close out this time. Remember, Wednesday night. We're going to receive communion as families and just and hear the Christmas story from the scripture. But we're going to close with prayer. One more time, I'd like for you to grab the hand of your neighbor all across this room. Father God, we acknowledge your love towards us. I pray that you would forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for questioning your love. Forgive us from speaking from our emotion. And I pray, God, that our hearts would be convinced of the fact that you love us and that the proof of that love would be so deeply seated as a revelation and the understanding of who you are and that you are good, so good that you sent your son. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And a million times, thank you for loving us this way. We didn't earn it, the song says we don't deserve it. Yet you gave yourself away. We say thank you, and may that be the foremost thought on our hearts this holiday season. May your love abound. May you grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ that we may be able to understand with all the saints the depth, the height, the width, the breadth of the love of God. May we see it fully encapsulated in the manger This baby Jesus, who is the demonstration of God's love towards us. Settle it in our hearts. Seal it with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say, Amen. Merry Christmas. I will see you Wednesday night. Love you.